I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. Today, I have a conversation with Nan Aaron, the founder and president of Alliance for Justice, a liberal judicial advocacy group. Nan Aaron and I discuss the Trump judicial legacy and how conservative judges will affect everything from abortion access to voting rights. We also discuss the best way for the Biden administration to respond to that judicial legacy and restore some balance to our judiciary. Lastly, we discuss the Supreme Court and whether Democrats should consider expanding it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nan Aaron. Nan Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a, it's a treat to be with you. So the Trump administration, <laughs> starting there, you know, they left a lot of things in tatters. You know, the, the pandemic response for one, foreign policies in tatters. Um, you know, there's been no movement on the climate crisis. But I think that the most impactful harm in relation to, you know, maybe the health of our democracy was his judicial legacy, right? I mean, he was really prolific. He was really good at appointing bad judges. <laughs> Were you concerned about that from the beginning or, you know, when did you become concerned? So I would com- I would completely agree with you on that. Donald Trump had a problem running for the presidency. And that was the right wing base of the Republican Party didn't quite trust him to do their bidding. And so we had to set out to prove to them that he would every step of the way, if elected, implement their agenda. And the one safe, reliable way Republican politicians have to assure the right-wing base of the Republican Party is to promise to appoint their judges. And their judges means individuals who are first and foremost adamantly opposed to abortion, adamantly opposed to LGBTQ, and um, individuals who believe that the administrative agencies and our government is taking actions that will hurt business. And therefore, when Donald Trump was running for president, he declared at almost every campaign stop, I'll appoint your judges. I will outsource the selection of my judges to the Federal Society, which is a a hard right organization that selects anti-abortion, anti-LGBTQ judges. And that wasn't really enough for the right wing base. And so we said, I'll do something else. I'm going to share with you a list of people that I will put on the Supreme Court. And he actually put out a list of very ultra-conservative candidates, and that, together with his outsourcing the process to the Federal Society, won over the right-wing base of the party, and it meant that once in office, he, he needed to come through for them. And in fact, and we'll get into this over uh, the next few minutes, um, he very much did what whatever the the right wing base wanted him to do. And he had enormous help by way of Mitch McConnell, majority leader. So um, I think he certainly gained their trust and um, they were focused on judges almost to the exclusion of any other issue. And what makes it so dangerous for your listeners is that Judges and those nine justices on the Supreme Court will be there for life. They're not like state court judges who might serve a few years. 
uh, once a person becomes a federal judge, that person is will be on the bench, could be 30, 40 years. It's interesting that you say that they did not trust him, right? And so it was like he was almost reassuring them, like, I'm your guy, I will do this for you. And I remember, you know, when this was happening and the list of judges came out, I remember thinking that he wasn't doing this alone. Like he didn't have the knowledge you know, to choose these judges on his own. And I knew that there was something behind it. And they were just so consistent, right? They were so consistent in their backgrounds. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, he appointed as his White House counsel individuals whose um, exclusive desire was to put ultra-conservative judges on the federal bench. And, you know, we're going to throw around terms like hard right, ultra-conservative, right-wing, but essentially what we're talking about are judges who are not only anti-abortion, that's a given, but judges, and we now have seen many of his judges render decisions, they've taken away health care for Americans. They've eroded protections for workers, consumers, the environment, They've degraded civil rights, equality for people of color. Their decisions have resulted in huge harms to Americans across the board, not just liberals and progressives, but I would say all Americans. And one reason I'm so glad you're focusing on judges is because I think people don't realize the extent to which their lives everyday lives are governed by uh, decisions that are made by federal judges. One of the things I said in the first question was that, you know, he was really prolific, right? And there's a huge imbalance now because he appointed, you know, many more judges during his, you know, presidency than President Obama. I think there's something like a quarter of the current, you know, active federal judges were Trump appointees. And that's kind of unprecedented. No one, you know, appointed that many judges in a single, you know, a single term. And I'm, I'm just curious as to if we have a sense of how that will, how that imbalance and imbalance towards these like ultra conservative judges will show up in our day to day lives. Well, let's let's go back for a minute because it's not an accident that uh, Trump had many more judges appointed to the federal bench than Barack Obama. President Obama's nominees for the last year of his tenure in the White House were blocked by Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell simply would not schedule votes. Now, we all know, and we'll, we'll go over the story of, about Merrick Garland, and we'll certainly hear from Merrick Garland next week when he's appearing for his hearing to be attorney general. But lower court judges, who are incredibly important, you know, we all focus on the Supreme Court, but many of Obama's lower court judges were simply held up by Mitch McConnell, who wouldn't give them hearings, schedule votes, which meant that when Donald Trump came into office, he had that many more vacancies to fill because of the ones that McConnell wouldn't allow to be filled during the Obama tenure. So yes, there are a lot more judges. And I would say on almost every, take healthcare, for instance, healthcare is not a liberal conservative issue. Every American in this country wants health care. And um, 
they have come to appreciate the Affordable Care Act. I know it wasn't particularly popular when it was first enacted, but at the moment, it is a law that has allowed individuals with pre-existing conditions to get health care paid for by their insurance companies. I can't tell you how many of Trump's nominees, when they were before the Senate Judiciary Committee, defended positions they had taken seeking to overturn health care protections for Americans or had sought to oppose coverage for Americans for pre-existing conditions. In fact, Two of his Supreme Court justices, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett's records were replete with instances where they opposed health care. And it's, it's interesting when I hear people on the conservative side say, oh, gee, we love Donald Trump's judges. They don't have a clue that their own lives will be shaped by judicial decisions. It will be made by Trump judges that will take us back um, in time rather than help us move forward. These are so many excellent points. I mean, the fact that a lot of these issues aren't partisan issues, right? Like healthcare, everyone needs health. Everyone has health, healthcare that they need, right? And another one is, you know, kind of related, the response to the pandemic. Everyone needs relief, financial relief through the pandemic. And those things have been made into partisan issues. But, you know, one of the things that I noticed also is that a lot of Trump's appointees were not qualified. I mean, they literally had not not qualified ratings from the American Bar Association, right? And I don't think any other president, you can say that about any other president. That is a, a really, you have done your homework. <laughs> I'll say this, President Obama, President Clinton, to my knowledge, never sent a name to the Senate for approval for a federal judgeship who didn't get a qualified rating from the American Bar Association. With Donald Trump, this was thrown out of the window. They, the ABA, while it did make and did rate judges, several, I think about eight, but it could have been more, judges were confirmed who did not even get a qualified rating by the ABA. And, you know, the ABA is, is basically the, the, the lowest barometer that exists as to whether a, a particular candidate is qualified or not. And um, it's shameful that we've got so many of these judges who not only weren't ABA qualified, but beyond that, I mean, declared the Department of Labor, the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, unconstitutional agencies. I mean, I could go on and on about some of the judges that are now on the bench. But yes, it, it, it was odd that you had so many unfit, unqualified judges confirmed. No, you're right. I did do my homework. <laughs> and, and there were nine. He, he appointed nine that were given a, yeah, a non-qualified um, you know, rating. And, you know, you're right in that. I mean, you think about the tens of thousands of people, possible people that do have good ratings that he could have chosen from. The fact that he would find nine. <laughs> right. Is kind of interesting. Right. And it's, it, it's regrettable because in our system, in our wonderful democracy, uh, you've got the executive branch and you've got Congress. And oftentimes individuals 
don't know who their person in Congress is, don't know the senator, the House member, haven't made um, contributions to their campaigns. And often the only forum that everyday people have to get some redress for some problem historically has been a federal court. And our federal courts are supposed to be womaned by judges who are independent, who are fair-minded, and I think equally important, understand how the law affects everyday people. And if you've got judges on the bench who are closed-minded, who have very strong beliefs, mean-spirited beliefs, I would say, it, it means that individuals at the margins, individuals under privilege, really have nowhere to turn to get their problems addressed, if they're thrown off Social Security, if they can't can't get promoted because of their race to a higher paying job, if the factory they work in has uh, many environmental hazards, there's nowhere for them to turn. And historically, it's been the courts. And one very positive opportunity is We now have a new president in office and we have a new Senate. And remember that the way the process works is a president selects a name for a judgeship and the Senate has to confirm that individual. This is not a task that's set out for anyone in the House. This is solely left to the Senate and the White House and Fortunately, um, both are under the leadership of incredibly competent individuals. Finally, finally. Finally, exactly. So let's talk a bit about Merrick Garland, because we all know what happened under President Obama. He was nominated for the Supreme Court. That was blocked. And now he's been nominated for attorney general under President Biden, which leaves a vacancy on the D.C. Circuit Court. Am I right about that? It does. If this were a Republican Senate, it would be very concerning because you know what they would do? A Republican Senate would simply not fill that vacancy. But fortunately, Chuck Schumer's in charge of the Senate and they're considering a number of phenomenally qualified individuals. And I think very shortly will see a rollout by the White House of a name for that D.C. Circuit seat. If Mitch McConnell was, were still running the Senate, he would never have filled that seat. Never. The way he never filled Antonin Scalia's seat by putting Merrick Garland on that bench on the, on the Supreme Court. So, no, it's, it is a new day and it's a new opportunity And particularly for us, it's an opportunity to get judges confirmed who will begin to address the damage it's done not only to the judiciary, but to the country. Um, Alliance for Justice has a project called Building the Bench. And um, the day that Joe Biden won the presidency, we turned over to the new administration names of extraordinarily accomplished lawyers, women, people of color, who were not just prosecutors, uh, but who were public defenders, legal services lawyers, plaintiffs lawyers, civil rights lawyers, 
public interest lawyers. In other words, on our list were names of people who come from all corners of the legal profession. And if nominated, will, I think, begin to, as I said, repair some of the damage being caused by the Trump judges. You know, one of the things that happened, I think, pretty consistently during the Trump presidency was the fact that, you know, he and, and all the people around him, they seem to be masters at exploiting weaknesses in our processes and in our democracy. And this is just one of them. Right. You know, I don't think it was intended for a single administration to have this much sway and this much influence on, you know, the, the judges, you know, or just around the country. Is there anything that can be done about that? Well, it's a really good point. And, and the dis- we're going to have to go into a little bit of arcane material here because what the Republicans did is they changed the rules by which judges are confirmed in the Senate in order to speed up and expedite the confirmation. So for instance, they cut the amount of debate time for district court nominations by over 90% from 30 hours of debate to only two. They cut out the American Bar Association. They did away with something known as blue slips. Blue slips are literally blue slips, which senators possess and are indicative if once a name for a, a judicial seat is sent to a senator, if the senator approves of the nominee, they send the blue slip back. Well, what the Trump people did and what McConnell did was simply refuse to speak with Democratic senators to get their permission to send up court of appeals judges. And again, this is a little arcane, but court of appeals judges are incredibly important. We tend to focus on the Supreme Court. But Court of Appeals judges are often rendering the final law of the land. That's because the Supreme Court hands down fewer opinions each year. And it turns out Democratic presidents always sought the input of Republican and Democratic senators. Trump decided to exclude Democratic senators from the conversation. So there are many other rules and norms dismantled by the Republicans. And our recommendation to the Biden administration is, hey, don't go back to the old rules. Let's go by the rules Republicans insisted on, because there is a critical need to speed those nominees through the Senate as well. I'm curious about your thoughts on the Supreme Court and its current makeup. You know, again, that's something that that Trump had a heavy hand in shaping. And, you know, I know this is wishful thinking, but, you know, is it plausible that we could see a shift with any of these justices? Over time, we've seen justices like John Paul Stevens, Harry Blackman, appointed by Republican presidents, move to the center. And of course, Everyone on this call knows Harry Blackman because of Roe versus Wade. And the question is, is there a chance that Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, or Amy Coney Barrett will move to the center? And uh, my answer is that these three were very, very different um, and had different records from Blackman and Stevens. And I think it is highly doubtful that we'll see anything coming out of these three justices that 
there may be exceptions. There will definitely be some exceptions. But I, I do fear for the country and for our children and grandchildren that these three will be on that Supreme Court for at least a decade or two to come, rendering decisions that will be very harmful to Americans. Thankfully, we've got a different Senate, a different White House, and we will begin to appoint judges um, who are committed to equal justice and will begin to turn around our courts. Well, regarding Roe v. Wade, I mean, is that really the place that we should be looking if we're worried about Roe v. Wade ending or I should say abortion access ending, right? Because, you know, getting an abortion in a lot of parts of the country is not easy right now. Well, it's it's these are decisions that are actually being made by state legislatures. And what the Supreme Court has done is limit availability of abortion to women who simply have no access, very little access to doctors, to clinics, to public health officials, or don't have the financial ability to get to a doctor. We have not seen this Supreme Court overturn Roe versus Wade, but what we have seen is a Supreme Court that is going to make it so much more difficult so much more inaccessible and expensive for women to get abortions. We have seen that right whittled away and whittled away um, over the years. And I know that we will continue to see that by the Supreme Court. So do you think that we should expand the Supreme Court? I do. I do think we should expand the Supreme Court. I think we've got a court at the moment that is firmly entrenched in the hands of justices who will turn the clock back on our rights, freedoms, and liberties. And the the way to address that now is to add new justices. I don't refer to it as court packing. I refer to it as democratizing the Supreme Court. I think it's critically important. Um, Oftentimes, people say, well, if the Democrats add new justices, the Republicans will add new justices. And my response to that is, you know what? They've already stolen two seats and added two new justices to the Supreme Court. So I do think at the very least, it's critically important for uh, this administration to take court expansion very seriously. There's a commission once established, will meet for six months and issue a set of recommendations. I don't expect that uh, court expansion is going to happen soon. I think there are many who want to wait and see what the Supreme Court does this term, what kind of rulings are issued. And I think they're waiting to see what the uh, commission is going to recommend. So I don't think we're going to see any such action on this soon, but I'm I'm pleased to see there is now a debate in the country around expanding the court. Well, Nan Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And thank you for all of your work on this. And just thank you for a really, really helpful conversation. And thank you for having me. This was wonderful. And what a wonderful podcast you all are doing. So congratulations to you and your wonderful work. Thank you.
Thank you.